We've been talking our way through the book of Joshua, and we've gotten to the place where we are now getting ready to go into Joshua chapter 13. If you'll turn with me there, let me give you a word of uh, explanation. We're going to take about three more weeks tonight and then two more, and we're going to wrap up the book of Joshua. I know that there are many more chapters in the book of Joshua, but we're at the point now where... Uh, it's very tedious reading at this point, and, and it's, it's hard to gain a whole lot of information except for historical information. Uh, you know, it, it goes back to, to Moses and, the, and the, um, the inheritances that he established that now are being handed out and distributed through the ministry of Joshua. And in some chapters, it's just, this one begot this one, and this one begot that one, and this one, uh, you know, received this piece of land and that piece of land, and the border went two miles this way and four miles that way and all that, and it's just, it can be very tedious. So from this point forward, in the next three weeks, we're going to kind of go in there and cherry pick some things that just kind of stick out in those chapters uh, that are very important lessons for us that if we're not careful we'll miss them because we get tired of reading the endless list of pieces of property and land that were given out to this one and this one and this one. And so that's, that's where we are tonight. So I've picked out about five various uh, passages of scripture that we're going to, to go to this evening and then the various uh, principles that it teaches. So we're going to begin in Joshua chapter 13. And, and one, verse, one verse here, and it is verse 1. And I want to read it to you. Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Now Joshua's old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Now, as you know, we can sit down in a, and in a matter of about an hour, we can probably read the entire book of Joshua. We can read everything that there is to, 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 to obtain. But this entire historical event was something that took place over many weeks and even months and years that took place. When Joshua first started out in Joshua chapter 1, he was a younger gentleman. Had a little more energy, had, had, had a little more strength, had a, a little more ability. But now here in, in J Joshua chapter 13, it becomes very clear that God says to him, you're old. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt old before. Uh, I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember one day at the parsonage when we were moving into the parsonage. I know I've told you this before, but I mean, there wasn't any furniture in the church parsonage that belonged there there just wasn't any usually parsonages are are furnished and that kind of thing typically but there wasn't anything so we're bringing all of our stuff in and we had to get our washer and dryer down into the basement now I'm carrying part of the washer washing machine and my son Jonathan is carrying the other end and I'm coming down the steps and when I did I missed one of the steps and I and my ankle turned and I fell 
I flipped just about over the top of the washing machine. And of course, when I let go to try to, to, to catch myself, Jonathan got the whole load of the washing machine on him. Being the big guy that he is, it was not a big deal. He just lifted it on one finger and spun it around a few times. And, and no, he really didn't. But, but when he looked up at me, he really didn't care if I was okay. He just said, he said, you're old. And you're not, he said, you're not ever doing this again. He said, I'm not ever moving furniture with you again. And I thought, well, in some ways that's a blessing <laughs> because it's still going to have to be moved. And he's already let me know that I'm gonna have, not going to have to do it anymore. But I, I remember the way that it made me feel because I, I you know, it, you know I, I'm not an old guy. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm only 57 years old, young and strong and, and good looking too. And, and all of those things going for me. <laughs> And, and yet there are days that you realize that you can't do what you one time did. You, you did just the other day, Donna was ask, asking me, I was trying to do something with my hands and I had dropped a few things recently. I dropped a couple of glasses and, and that kind of thing. And she, she said, what's going on with you? And I said, I, I really don't know. I said, but my hands just don't feel as strong as they used to be. I said, I used to be able to do this and not, it not even bother me. And I said, and now I find myself going, uh, 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 between the legs, you know, uh, uh, and, and it's, it's harder than it used to be. And, and, I, and it, it's just the way that life is. And I find myself sometimes thinking about, I, I saw somebody from the church just the other day out in a public place and if they're here, I know, I know who they are, and I can probably call their name. <clears throat> but if I see them at Walmart, it's like, <sighs> I know who that person is. And if I can't think of it, I run the other direction because I don't, don't want to say, excuse me, I know you attend the church where I pastor, but who on earth are you? <laughs> it just... You know, it's just uh, things are different as you get old. But here's the thing I wanted to point out to you. I mean, it's obvious that Josh, Joshua is old. I mean, he didn't need God to point it out to him. But here's what I like about it. He said, you're old and advanced in years. But then he goes on and he says, and there remains yet very much land to possess. In other words, he's saying to Joshua, I'm not through with you yet. You may be older than you used to be. You may not have the same physical strength that you once had, but there's still much work that needs to be done. And as we move forward from chapter 13, we see a huge transition taking place, a new paradigm that takes place because 13, chapter 13 and and, and earlier, Joshua is just right out there and they're leading and they're fighting together and he's right in the midst of the battle. And from 13 forward, he says, okay, this is the tribe of Judah right here. You guys go take what's yours. 
I'll be right here. I'm going to go get an ice cream cone. You guys go ahead and get what it is that you need to get in the battle. And so he realizes that I may not have the strength to fight any longer the way that I once did, but I'm still valuable. I'm still the visionary here. I'm still the mouthpiece of God to these people. It's like I said, Sunday, I think it was, when the Lord spoke to him and he said, Joshua, you are the one who will deliver, d- deliver the inheritance to my people. The inheritance that I have for them is going to come through you. It's going to come through the vision that I give you. It's going to come through the plan that I give you. It's going to come through the process that comes through you first and then is disseminated to the people of God so that they can now see what is rightfully theirs in the kingdom of God and understand that if they're going to receive it, they've got to be willing to go out and fight the battle for it and obtain it in the name of the Lord. And so he wasn't finished with Joshua. He just knew that the paradigm was going to change. The way things change would produce a way for the blessings to come, even though it wouldn't come through the natural hand of Joshua every time. So I said, I guess the good news is for us, since all the young people are, are back in the back building, and then we have us and, and you know, the, 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 the senior adults here, the good news for us is, is that God's not finished with us yet. And he, will, he, he realizes that there still is much work that needs to be done and can be done through us. But we just have to go about it differently. And we just did a whole series on that generational transference just a few months ago and talking about how that God can still use us, but it's going to look very different. We may not do things the way that we used to do them, but I still have a valuable uh, play a valuable role in the, in the progress of the body of Christ. And so Joshua chapter 13 and verse 1 just reaffirms that for us and encourages us that even as we grow older, then God can still use us. Yeah, I think about my mom and dad and, and having the privilege of having them in our home the last little bit of their lives and and, and while, you know, dad couldn't do what he used to do, he couldn't preach anymore because his voice was so uh, feeble and, and his body was so frail, uh, you, you have no idea how much wisdom that he poured into me in the days that he was here in, in my home. And, and I've told you, he used to kid me all the time. He'd say, son, if you just sing Southern gospel music and put a tie on, you could grow a church around here, you know? And he, he was just kidding with me, you know? But he, he would speak things into my spirit that maybe he didn't even really know the level uh, of, of impact that he was having on me. Uh, but it made a difference. And, and my mom is the same way. Uh, you know, some people would call her stubborn and I would be one of them who would call her uh, stubborn. But you could also call her courageous. You could call her uh, someone who had a lot of stamina and would not quit. And, And even when she was losing her capacity to understand what all was going on, my mom still would get up every day and, and do what she felt like needed to be done. She wouldn't quit. She wouldn't give up. 
And just being able to watch them and observe them and see God working in their lives in that phase of their life was an encouragement to me and it spoke wisdom into me. And now I'm finding, and Donna hit it on the nail head in the 2MT, the Two Minute Tuesday last week where we had the three different women who spoke about the different phases of life. And Donna talked about how that being a grandmother is very different than being the mother of either a preschooler or, or a middle schooler. The way that you grandmother is very different than the way that you mothered because it tends to move more towards wisdom and advice than it does really, uh, you know, the, 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 the nitty gritty of training these young children. And that's the same in all of our areas of life. And so as we grow and as we mature, aren't you glad that you're m more mature in the spirit today than you were 10 years ago? And you were five years ago, you have more knowledge of scripture and more knowledge of the spirit and more knowledge of the way that God uses us. And, 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 and I, I really am. I'm so glad. I'm so glad for your sakes that I can preach differently than I did 30 years ago because I've kept my sermon notes and outlines from years ago and I've read some of them and I've thought to myself, oh dear gracious, bless their little hearts. I can't imagine how they survived a weak-kneed little preacher like me. But thank God, through the years, the Lord has given me some wisdom to, to build on. And so, you know, we may realize we're getting older, but, but God is using us. Now, let's jump down to verse 14. Jump down to verse 14, and it says, now again, you know, the inheritances now are being distributed to the, to the different tribes and to the different groups of Israel. And in verse 14, it says, it says to the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. Do you see that? The offerings by fire to the Lord God of Israel are their inheritance as he said to him. Now move on down to verse 33. Same chapter, verse 33. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. Do you see that again? The Lord God of Israel is their inheritance, just as he said to them. Now, here's the key thought here. You know, it, especially in America, we get our minds focused on materialistic goods. We determine whether or not we've been successful based on how much stuff we have sometimes or how much money that we have in the bank or how nice our house is or our cars or how blessed that we are in the realm of the material or how much property that we have. And we look at that and we say, well, you know, I, I, God has blessed me, and those are blessings. There are times that God does bless us that way, and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. We shouldn't shy away from that. When God blesses us in that way, then that's fine. But when we see the Levites here, the Scripture is very clear that it says they received no inheritance. Now, let's put that in perspective. How many of you love Christmas time? Do you love Christmas time? You know, you've you got the kids all around, and you've got the 
gifts underneath the, the, the tree and the presents are all wrapped and, and you've got the stockings on the, on, the, on the mantle and everything's good and the, the fruit salad's out and, and, and the pecan pie and, and you're having a great time and then somebody says, let's read the scripture and, and the, the, the Christmas story and let's open up the presents. And you go in and you get the Bible out and you read and you talk to them about the significance of Christmas and all that it means and why we celebrate this. And it, he's the reason for the season and the kids are over there. They're all nervous and they're ready and they want you to shut up, you know. And I hope Pops isn't going to preach again like he did last year and all that kind of stuff. And then finally, you come to the place where you pray. And then and I, I remember one year I really irritated him bad. Because I said, before we go any further, we're going to go around the room and we want everyone here to tell one good thing that God did for you this year. And they all got nervous. It's like, okay, now what did God do for me? What did, what did he do? What did he do? I know he did something for me, but I just can't think of it right now. I said, we can't open presents until everybody testifies, you know, and it's just driving them crazy. But how would you feel if all of a sudden all the presents are gone? They've all been opened. And all of the, the, the papers in the floor and the ribbons are everywhere. And suddenly, suddenly dawns on you, I didn't get a thing. I mean, nobody gave me a thing. Now, if you're like me and Donna, we're at the age now where it's, who cares? You know, it's like, I really don't care because I like seeing the kids open the presents. And I like being able to be a blessing to the others. And it really doesn't matter to me. But imagine if you were six years old and you're sitting there and everybody has opened up the presents and you're sitting there and all of a sudden it's like, well, gee, thanks. I didn't get anything. Nobody even thought of me. Nobody put a present under the tree. Now, I'm thankful that that never happened to me that I, that I can remember in my mind. But it, it has happened before. And that's kind of the context and the setting here in Joshua chapter 13 because Joshua is saying okay God says that this is your inheritance you get this piece of land over here and here here's the boundaries and that's yours and you're gonna have to go and take it and obtain it but that's yours and this this is yours I have I have put your name on this inheritance it belongs to you now you've got to go over there and get it and take it and take possession of it but Terry your name is on it it's not for anyone else I have, have, have reserved that for you and go all the way around the room giving out all of these wonderful blessings and inheritance and then in verse 14 to the tribe of Levi alone Moses gave no inheritance can you imagine that gave no inheritance and they were the only ones it's very clear to the tribe of Levi alone. They were the only ones who got nothing in terms of materialistic goods. But then it goes on to say, The offerings by fire to the Lord God of Israel are their inheritance. Now, who were the Levites? The, the, the Levites were the ones who took care of all the priestly duties. They were the ones that were in the presence of God. They were in the... The holy of holies. They were the ones that if you sinned and you, and you knew you committed sin and you needed to offer up a sacrifice for your sin, you'd get that, that 
sacrifice and throw it over your shoulder and you would come to the, to the house of God and you would transfer that thing off of you into the hands of the Levites and then the Levites. How many of you have been reading any New Testament or Old Testament scriptures lately and Deuteronomy and Numbers and, and think that where it spells out the details? I, I was into that just a few days ago and it's talking about how the priest had to take the, the, the spotless lamb and, and they had to take a knife and slam it into that lamb and, and cut open his guts and, and pull him apart. Everybody okay? Did you eat supper tonight? Everybody going to be all right? And pull that lamb. And, and the scripture says they had to reach in there with their hands and pull out the entrails. E-N-T-R-A-I-L-S. I think that's the way you spell it. Entrails. Pulls things out of the carcass of that lamb and then had to separate them. And then there were two types of blood. It was the same blood, but it was different because of the position in the body that it had been to and where it was. And so they would take a certain, uh, the, the blood from a certain part of that lamb and they would, they would take it over here and they would separate it and they, and they, would, they would put it on the ground down here and, and now they're, they're up to their arms and entrails and, 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 and guts and, 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 and smelly stuff and, and now they're, they're operating with blood. Then they had to get blood out of another part of the body and they had to take it and then they had to go over to the altar and they had to splash it on the altar. I mean, it, it's getting all over them. And, I, and, and I'm, I, God, thank you for not calling me to be a preacher in the Old Testament. Amen? And that's what they did. That was their job. That, that's what they did every day of their life. And when it came time to clean it all up, they couldn't call in a cleaning company because they couldn't go in to the holy place. They couldn't go in to the presence of God. The only one who could go in were the Levites. And so when they got all this done, I mean, if I were a Levite, I would have been saying, look, you've sinned too many times this year. I've splashed too much blood on your behalf. If you sin one more time, I'm going to gut you. <laughs> you, you know? And they had, to, they had to clean all this stuff out. And then they had to carry it to the outer parts of, of, of the camp. They had to take it out there. They had to dispose of it outside of the camp and burn parts. Can you imagine standing there having to smell that, that, that nasty carcass as it, it is burning in the scent? And the scripture describes it. says that it, to God, it smells like a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. And to us, it smells like sewage. Because that's what it is. And that's what the Levites did. And the scripture says that when it came time for them to hand out the inheritances, the only group among all of Israel who received no inheritance was who? The Levites. But notice verse 33. Because this is the key. Verse 33. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. For the Lord God of Israel is their inheritance. Just as he said to them. 
Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. You remember that one? Take this whole world, just give me Jesus. Just take this whole world and give me Jesus. There's the picture of it right there. Take the whole world. Doesn't matter to us if we don't get the same type of inheritance as everyone else. It doesn't matter to us if we don't have land. It doesn't matter to us because our inheritance is greater than all the rest. Because our inheritance is God himself. Now, I don't know if that strikes you the same way it's striking me. I'm telling you, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I bet if we asked Jane right now, she could sing like Jason Crabb. You know, what, what, what's that song he sings? I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Ask yourself the question, if you were in the position of the Levites, would you feel honored that God would say to you, there is nothing materially that I could give you that will equal knowing that I am your inheritance. I am. They got to serve him. Every splash of blood was a sacrifice of worship unto him. Every animal that they ripped open with their bare hands and, 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 and processed was an act of worship on behalf of someone who was repenting before God. Every time that they functioned in their role, they realized that we are doing something spiritual on behalf of God. What a blessing that is. The Levites. Now turn with me to, to uh, chapter 14. Chapter 14, verses 6 through 15. Let's look at this very quickly. Let's see if I can see what time it is. 7.45. Man, I got all kinds of time. I can do a lot in 15 minutes. Do a lot of damage in 15 minutes. Chapter 14, verse 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly, that word holy there means completely, in every way, in all aspects, I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years. So he, he was 85 these 45 years 
since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old, and I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. So now, give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. And it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day. Because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. And then it goes on about the naming of it. Now, go over to chapter 15, if you will. Chapter 15, verses 13 through 19. And, and let me read that. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb a portion among the people of Judah. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Ahaman, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. And he went up from there against the inhabitants of Debir. And now the, the name of Debir formerly was Kiriath-Sephir. And Caleb said, whoever strikes Kiriath-Sephir and captures it, to him will I give uh, Achish, my daughter, as wife. And Othniel, the son of Canaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it. And he gave him Aksa, his daughter, his, his, as wife. And when she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she got off her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? And she said to him, Give me a blessing, since you have given me the land of the Negev. Give me also the springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now we have two things going on here that are quite significant. Number one is that this inheritance that Caleb received was because of his obedience, not only through the years, but at the very beginning when Moses sent the 12 spies out. If you'll remember, there were 10 that came back with a negative report. There's no way we can do this. There's giants in the land. It's true that it's flowing with milk and honey. It's true that there are grapes the size of, of pomegranates. It's true that it's glorious land, but there are giants there, and we were as grasshoppers in their sight, and, and, and in our sight, and so we were in their sight. But, but Caleb and Joshua said, no, 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 no. Don't listen to them. Listen to what the word of the Lord is. It's true, all those things that they said. There are great challenges in the promised land. But we're not focused on the challenges. Let us go up right now at once and take this because the Lord has delivered them into our hands. Caleb and Joshua were the only two that believed. And now because of the unbelief, they had to serve 
without the full benefit of the blessing that God wanted them to have because there were more that were negative than there were positive. You know, if, if I'd have been Joshua and Caleb, I'd have found somebody else to run around with. I'd have just felt like, man, I'm not hanging around with you bunch of nonsense people. I'm, I'm not going to walk every day of my life having to listen to you mully grub around and and, and negative talk and, 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 and Debbie Downer and, and doubting Tom and all that. kind. I'm, I don't know how you feel. I don't like to be around people like that. I don't like to be like that. I, when I catch myself being like that, I, I want to do some changing pretty quick. I don't like to hang around with that kind of negative mentality. But Joshua and Caleb hung with them through the years, brought them to this place. But now Caleb says, look. I'm 85 years old, and I'm still well able to catch a hold of the promise that God made to me all those years ago. And if you'll give it to me, I'm not worried about the fact that there are giants there. That's what the Anakim were. They were, they were huge men. And, he's, and I'm not worried about it being the hill country. I'm not worried about it being the mountains. I'm not concerned. The only thing that I'm concerned with is receiving and taking hold of what God promised me all those years ago. And I'm 85 years old and I'll be flipped if I'm going to go out of this life and not obtain everything that God promised me that I could have. He refused to get satisfied in blessings that were not in the fullness that God had for him. And so, and so then God blessed him. And he got... But, but the second thing that we have going on here is that he realized that he was no longer, even though in his mind and even though what he was saying with his mouth did not match the reality of his body, he was 85 years old, so he said, I'll, I'll cut you a deal. He said, we need to get that piece of property, so here's how I'm going to obtain it. I'm not necessarily myself going to go fight all of them, but if any of you can take that area... I'm going to give you my daughter to be your wife. And so the men all of a sudden thought, man, I need me a wife. I, I've already got 14 of them, but I need one more. You know, and that, in the Old Testament, that was okay. They didn't do that. And, I, you know, she's young. She can carry a lot of water and, I, you know, whatever, whatever it was like. And if you'll go take that, I'll give you my daughter. And then the daughter came to her new husband and said, go ask him to bless me. Go ask him to give me a field. Go ask him to give me water. And, and her father, Caleb, gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now, here's the significance of this. The significance of this is, is that the inheritances and the blessings did not go to women in those days. Now, you ladies, back up. Back off now. I'm just reporting. I'm just, I'm just giving you the way that it was. I'm not saying I agreed with it. I'm just saying that's the way it was. The women did not receive the inheritances. That's the reason that she said to her new husband, go ask my dad to bless me. But it was her dad who had enough foresight to come to her and to bless her in a, in a way that only men were to be blessed in those days. So Caleb not only had the foresight... To, to say, I can take what is rightfully mine, 
But not only do I want to be blessed, I want my daughter to be blessed in a way that is above and beyond what the other women of our day and society are being blessed. I don't care what tradition says. I don't care what the laws of the land say. I don't care what the rules of Israel say as it pertains to my daughter. I know that she's a, she's a godly woman just like me, and God's going to bless her too, and even if he has to do it through me. And so he blesses his daughter. And, and, and that's very significant in those days. Now, let, let's move on. Uh, chapter 15, look at verse 63. Because I want to I give this to you. Uh, chapter 15, verse 63. Because here's the deal. God has made all kinds of promises to us. The scripture says that his promises are yes and amen. Not maybe and could be. If God says, I will do this based on you doing that. If you will sow this seed, you will reap this bounty because I'm in covenant with you. And I'm promising that if you'll do that, I'll do this. But it's possible for us to miss God's blessings Because we don't do what God calls us to do. We don't sow the seed that needs to be sown to produce the blessing that God intends for us to have. Or we sow seed, but it's not the right seed because we're trying to obtain what we want rather than what God wants for us. Look at verse 63. But the Jebusites... The inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, could not drive out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Go to chapter 16, verse 10. Go there with me. It says, however, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites have lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day, but have been made to do forced labor. Now, in both of those passages of scriptures, we see that they did not receive the complete blessing that God had for them. But it was not God's fault. It was their fault. Now, we, we have a tension here between what we read and and compared to what God had said would be true. And, and so God said at the very beginning of Joshua, he said, I'm going to give you every place that your foot steps. Is that what he said? That was the promise he made. He said, everywhere you go, I have already given it into your hand. All you have to do is go possess it. All you have to do is sow the seed. Because if you'll sow the seed, I've already made arrangements for you to be blessed. I've already made arrangements for your inheritance to come in into your possession. But then the tension is, and in, is in both of these passages here, it says they could not drive them out. Okay, so, so, so how, do we, how do we bring that in alignment? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that the translation of Scripture is probably not as accurate as it could be. Because it wasn't that they could not, but it was more that they would not. 
Because if God said, you will possess it, I've already given it into your hands, then if, if he doesn't also give them the ability to possess it, then guess what? God's a liar. God is not truthful. God is not a God of covenant. If he says something and makes a promise and then just says, oh, gee, I'm just kidding. I, I just wanted you to think that because I felt like you needed to be bolstered up a little bit. I, I didn't really mean it. I, I told you I'd do that, but I, I, I never really intended to. Is that the kind of God that I serve? Is that the kind of God you serve? Is that the kind of God that this book represents? No. His promises are yes and amen. If God says, I will do this, he will do it. But in order for him to release it, we have to sow the right seed. We have to claim it with our words. We have to act like it's already happened before it even happens. We have to start walking in it even before it materializes before our eyes. Otherwise, God is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to be blessed. But he's going to say, if you will go and fight, I will fight for you. You remember, this is the same God who said to Joshua, if you'll go, I'll fight with you and for you. And Joshua fought with the sword as, as long as he could fight. And then God in heaven started throwing hailstones down at the enemy and picking them off one at a time. That's the kind of God that we serve. So what I'm saying to you is, is that with every promise of God, there are two possibilities. There's the possibility that you will sow the right seed and reap the right blessing, or there's the possibility that you'll do absolutely nothing and you will receive absolutely nothing because God has to work with the seed that you were sowing into the ground. They had the promise before them. They could see it with their eyes. All they had to do was step into it. All they had to do was walk into it. But the scripture says that they could not overcome them. And as a result, they had to live a life of compromise and rather than driving the enemy out, they said to the enemy, why don't you just live with us? Why don't you just join us and we'll cohabit together? And that is when the problem started building for Israel. Because now instead of being the holy separate people of God, they were commingling with the enemy. So I had to be very careful. We have to realize that if I'm going to obtain the promises of God, I have to do it on his terms. And I have to do it with his power. And I have to do it with his anointing. He's not going to give you a promise of blessing and not also give you the power and the strength and the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to obtain that if you will just do what you need to do. Is that true? Thank you, Father, for your word. It's always good. It's always good for us. It, it, it sets our path on the, on the right path and in the straight way. And, Lord, it helps us to make those course corrections many times right in the middle of the battle. But, Lord, when we do it and we line ourselves up with you, then, Lord, we will receive the inheritance that you have for us and the blessings that you have reserved for us. And for that, we're grateful. 
Go with us now and keep us in your care. We love you, Lord, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.